Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. I've been praying a lot about this today as I pray for God's anointing, God's power, God's clarity, because messages like this is extremely important, and I'm so glad that God has given me the opportunity to bring it to you today. There was a movie called Left Behind, starring Kirk Cameron, where all of a sudden millions of people disappeared from the earth, and there were crashed planes and abandoned cars and missing children, and everyone thought, how can this be explained? The movie is about the rapture, and the premise is at some point in the future, True believers will be taken out of the world to be caught up or raptured with Jesus. Is this true? Will this happen? Well, from the moment Jesus ascended to heaven, as documented in the book of Acts, the church has been waiting for his return. The rapture is spoken of in the Bible. It's a time when believers will be caught up in the air to be with Jesus and all the other true believers will all be reunited together in the presence of our Lord. I read an article a couple of weeks ago saying that this interest in UFOs is setting the stage for those who are left behind to blame the missing people on an alien abduction. Are you ready? What to expect before and after Jesus returns? And today's part five, a great tribulation. This part five is the final part of the what to expect before Jesus returns. And next week, I'll begin the part about what to expect after Jesus returns. Because the rapture actually happens before the second coming of Jesus. I believe it happens before the great tribulation. So what should we expect before Jesus returns? Expect a great tribulation. A great tribulation. This is a future seven-year period that's documented in Revelation chapter 6 through 19, and it's also spoken of by Jesus, where he says in Matthew 24, For at a time there will be a great tribulation, the kind that hasn't taken place from the beginning of the world until now and never will again. There have been many tribulations that we as believers suffer, but this tribulation is not for believers. It's for unbelievers, and it's for Israel. So let's learn more about this great tribulation. First of all, the great tribulation is prophesied in the Old Testament by Daniel. The book of Daniel is a backbone of prophetic prophecies about the future. And Daniel was a young man, a teenager, when he was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon into exile for that 70-year period. And he showed integrity by keeping focused on worshiping Yahweh, not an earthly king. But God had favor on him and gave him a high position in Babylon. When Daniel became an old man in his 80s, the Lord revealed to Daniel some really important information about the big picture plan regarding God's kingdom. As Daniel was praying about Israel's plight of being in captivity, 
God spoke to Daniel. So if you have your Bible, turn to Daniel chapter 9. This is an important prophecy of the future. So God is speaking through his angel to uh, Daniel, and starting in verse 20 of chapter 9, it says, Now while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, so Daniel is interceding for Israel, and he was presenting his supplication before the Lord, Verse 21, while I was still speaking in prayer, then the man, Gabriel, which is one of the named angels, he's one of the chief angels, whom I'd seen in the vision previously came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. And Gabriel gave me instruction and talked with me and said, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight with understanding. From the very beginning, Daniel, of your prayer, the supplication, the command was issued by God, and I have come to tell you, for you, Daniel, are highly esteemed. So give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. That's incredible. God commanded Gabriel, one of his chief angels, to go tell Daniel, Very important information about God's plan. Big picture plan. In fact, I think of it when you have a puzzle and you have all the pieces and you throw them out on the floor and you go, where did all these pieces go? Well, what do you look at? You look at the box top. You look at the box top to see what it looks like. This is box top theology. So let's think about it that way. In verse 24, this is where God just reveals very important information about a time span of the end of time. So God says in Daniel 9.24, 70 weeks or sevens, 70 sevens, have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. That's really important information. What does it all mean? Well, 70 weeks a week in biblical language is seven years. So that's 77. So what's 70 times 7? 490 years. And God says this time span is decreed for your people. So who is Daniel's people? Israel. This is God's plan for Israel. And what else? Your holy city, Jerusalem. So it's God's plan for Israel and Jerusalem. And what is God's plan exactly? Well, first, it's to end sin. When did sin end? Well, when Jesus took upon himself the sin of all people, past, present, and future, on the cross. To atone for wickedness. Well, what did Jesus do? He atoned, he made amends for our evil, for our wickedness at the cross. He also says, it's a time that I've planned to make things right. Well, things aren't right. Things are right with God for the believer, but are things right on the earth? No. So that's for the future. He also says, it's a time to fulfill all prophecy. Has all prophecy been fulfilled? No. There's still prophecies about Israel and the future. That's for future. And to anoint the holy place, which is Jerusalem, which will be where Jesus comes back 
and reigns on this earth. All these things have been and will be accomplished through God's very own Son, Jesus Christ. So let's look at this again. I'm going to read verses 24 through 27 in Daniel chapter 9. So as I just read, 77s have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So Daniel, you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. So what's that? 69. It'll be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Then after the 62 sevens, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. I'll explain that in a minute. And its end will come with a flood, and to the end there will be a war, desolations are determined, and he will make a firm covenant with many for one week. What's going on here? First of all, we have to know the date of when this is happening. So from what we can tell, Daniel's about 80, and this is probably around 538 BC. So it's 538 years before Christ. And God is telling Daniel important information about the future. And he said this time clock of 77s will begin the moment Jerusalem is restored. So what's happening in Daniel's world? Remember, God gave Israel over to Babylon to learn a lesson. Okay? Kind of like a timeout. For 70 years, you need to learn to trust me. So you're going to go into a captivity, but I will rescue you out. But during that time, Babylon's going to take over Jerusalem and destroy it and the walls and the gates. Who does God send to rebuild the walls and the gates? Nehemiah, right? Nehemiah chapter 2. Read Nehemiah chapter 2. That's the beginning of the countdown. That happened in 445 BC. Okay? So, you add 69 sevens, 483 years, to 445 BC, that brings you to approximately 38 AD. But the Jewish calendar operated on a 360-day year, so it takes you to about 33 AD. What happened in about 33 AD? Jesus was crucified. The Messiah was cut off from his people. Remember, they didn't believe in him. They didn't believe that he was a Messiah. He was cut off from his people Israel. And then remember, God says to Daniel, a prince will come and destroy Jerusalem and the temple. In 70 AD, Rome came and destroyed Jerusalem, the temple, and they haven't had a temple since then. What we have here is the 69th week or the 69th seven that's up to the point of the crucifixion of Jesus when he was cut off from his people and he rose and ascended into heaven. He's coming back. That ended that 69th seven. Well, where's the 70th seven? That's a good question because there's 70 sevens. That's the last seven. That's the seven of the great tribulation. So right now we're living in a gap. Remember, all this was said to Daniel way before any, we're living today, right? 
we are in a, so to speak, 2,000-year gap. Why is there a gap? Because God is giving people a chance to repent and place their faith in Jesus Christ and get in the ark and get out of this world. That's what we're living in. The church age. The age of grace. Sadly, people are like just not even realizing this. Even Christians. So the Messiah is cut off from his people, but he's coming back again. And like I said, we're living between the 69th seven and the 70th seven year period. The last seven, the great tribulation. What's cool about God's word is there's prophecy that pauses like this one, right? Because God gives a decree through Gabriel to Daniel. Daniel writes it down. We have it in writing. Jesus said, I'll tell you ahead of time, there's going to be a great tribulation where we're living in a time before the great tribulation. Do you know there's another time when God put a pause? You know when that is? Well, remember when Jesus goes into the temple and preaches from the scroll of Isaiah, which is the beginning of his public ministry. That's in Luke chapter 4. And in verse 16, Jesus comes to Nazareth, and he's asked to preach from the scroll. And it just happened to be the verse of the day. You know, like when you pop up on your U version, it's the verse of the day. Well, it just so happened that the verse of the day was Isaiah 61. So Jesus comes up and he opens the scroll and he starts reading from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He closes it. Now he doesn't finish it. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. He closes the book, gives it back to the attendant, And he says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Isaiah wrote about a coming Messiah, and Jesus is saying, I am he. But turn to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61 is where this came from. Now look at this. This is important. There's a pause. Because Isaiah 61 is exactly what Jesus is reading. The Spirit of the Lord of God is upon me. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now remember, Jesus closed the book at that point. But what's next? And the day of vengeance of our God. There's a gap with the word and, just like the other gap. And the gap is we are living in the year, the favorable year of the Lord. In other words, the age of grace, where everyone can come to faith in Christ. But at some point, the door to the ark closes, and it becomes the day of vengeance of our God. Because God has to deal with sin and evil and unrighteousness, because he is a holy, loving God. Jesus said, I tell you these things ahead of time. We are living in an incredible time. But at some point, this time ends. Now, God lives outside of time, but we live in time. And at some point, the door to heaven will close for a while. 
and God will do what's right. So the question is, are you ready? Because we live in a gap. Nobody should be left behind. Next, before the great tribulation, the church will be raptured. There's different viewpoints of the rapture when it occurs. This has been a debate in the church. When will the rapture happen? What is the rapture? Well, let's look at 1 Thessalonians 4.17, where Paul writes, After that, we who are still alive and are left on this earth will be what? Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. So at some point, whether you are a believer who has passed away or a believer who's alive on this earth, Jesus will call us by the trumpet and we will be caught up, the word in Greek actually, and this is the original language that was written in, is the same word for snatched or taken. So we will be taken to be with Christ. When they translate it to Latin, they use the word raptura, which is where we get rapture. But in any case, those who believe in Christ will be taken to be with Christ. Sadly, the others will be left behind. God also speaks about the rapture in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. So Jesus first comes for the church, and then he comes with his church. Okay, get that? Jesus comes for the church, and then in Revelation 19, Jesus comes with his church. Now, why do I believe the rapture happens before the great tribulation, which would be a pre-tribulation viewpoint? First of all, as I said earlier, the great tribulation, and as God said, is not for the church. It's for your people, Daniel, Israel. It's for the redemption of Israel, and it's also to judge an unbelieving world. So if you read Revelation in chapter 7, you notice there's 144,000 Jews that are called into faith and have God's seal on their forehead. They're called to be witnesses. The church is not there. Secondly, why do I believe that the rapture happens pre-trib? Is verses like this, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, could we be left here and still God protect us? Yes, but here's the bigger picture. Read through Revelation, and you'll notice that Revelation 2 and 3 are letters to the church. And then the church is never mentioned again until 19, chapter 19, when they come back. Now, last week I told you to underline a key verse in Revelation chapter 1. The key to unlocking Revelation. Do you remember what it was? Chapter 1, verse 19. This is what it says. Therefore, Jesus says to John, write the things which you have seen. That's Jesus. The revelation of Jesus, chapter 1. And the things which are. That's chapter 2 and 3, the letters to the church. We are living in the church age. And the things which will take place after these things. That's the end. That's the last time of the world. And verses 4 through 22. So we are currently living in a gap. Verses 2 and 3. 
the things which are, the age of grace. And we don't want to miss what God is doing. Here's why I also believe that the church will be raptured. And I just gave you the outline. So chapter 4 begins the things which are to come. Jesus says to John, after these things, what things? The church age. I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. Boom. And the first voice which I had heard sounded like what? A trumpet. Now, didn't I just say that at the time of the rapture, there will be a trumpet speaking with me? And he said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things, the church age. John is taken to heaven, and what does he see? Jesus and the church worshiping Jesus. Now remember, God is outside of time. We are in time. So this is pointing to a time in the future, but it's happening. And then later in chapter 7, what does John see? He sees the tribulation saints, the Jews, the elect of Israel worshiping Jesus. They were taken out at that time, and they were heavily persecuted, as Jesus said they would be. So Revelation chapter 6, like I talked about last week, is the beginning of the Great Tribulation, when the four horsemen of Apocalypse are sent out. That ends in 18, and all that time God is dealing with Israel and also dealing with an unrepentant world. But even during that time, he's still giving people a chance to repent. It's not until Revelation 19, when Jesus comes back and takes back what is rightfully his, this world, which was handed over to the devil for a time, and then the thousand-year millennium reign with Christ happens, and God makes things right. Next, at the end of the Great Tribulation, Jesus will return. In the future, just to recap, the 69th seven ended when Jesus, the Messiah, was cut off. He rose, he's with his Father in heaven. We're living in a gap. The 70th seven, the last seven years of the Great Tribulation, which will come in the future. And at the end of that seven-year period, Jesus comes back with his church. Look at Revelation 19. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. Now remember last week I talked about the white horse was not Jesus in chapter 6. The white horse was the Antichrist. But this is Jesus. And he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Who's that describing? The church, the bride of Christ. We're following him on white horses. Remember that song, saddle up your horses. It's an old song, I don't remember that. But we got to learn how to ride horses. I'm one of those people that really need lessons on that. But the point is, we come back with Jesus, our Savior, and we reign with him now. Remember how I said earlier that there's still prophecies to be fulfilled about the future, which is true, but there are no prophecies to be fulfilled before the rapture. Everything is fulfilled before the rapture. So what does that mean? That means that Jesus can come back right now. Jesus can come back today. Jesus can come back tonight. Jesus can come back tomorrow. Jesus can come back next week, next year. It doesn't matter. He's coming back. And the reason he's waiting is not because he forgot. 
It's because he loves you and he wants you to come into his family and be adopted into his family through faith in Christ and receive the seal of the Holy Spirit, which is your assurance of salvation. We live in the age of amazing grace. With all that's going on, this is no surprise to God. He's giving us a glimpse of what it could be like. And we think this is bad. You don't want to be left behind. You want to come into faith. So what should I do to be ready? Be on the right side of history. There's two sides, a wrong side and a right side. You want to be on the right side of history. The side of truth, the side of redemption, the side of salvation. Don't be deceived, the Bible says. God will not be mocked. People who mock God sadly don't know. But God is not going to be mocked. He's going to make things right. A great tribulation is on the way. You want to be taken, not left. You want to be caught up, snatched, raptured, not left. There's a story of a husband and wife who were on a cruise and they were on a ship called Planet Earth. And they heard the captain say, don't miss the next stop. It's the most beautiful place you'll ever see or imagine. It's an island so beautiful, it's called heaven. So make sure you wake up, get up, and don't miss heaven. And I'm telling you all this ahead of time. Well, the husband and wife decided that they would take a nap and go to heaven the next time around. Well, guess what? There was no next time around. A huge storm came called the Great Tribulation, and they were left behind. The man and wife were asleep and missed heaven. Don't be like them. Don't be like them. Jesus said, I tell you these things ahead of time. He's telling you these things ahead of time so that you will get right with him right with God through faith in Christ. So what's your decision? Do you want to go to heaven? Or do you want to stay on this earth and live through hell? What benefit is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? This world ain't worth it because this world ain't going to hang around. Jesus is. God's kingdom is. So come to Jesus. The door of heaven is open. Place your faith in Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I believe in you. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose again. I want to be part of your kingdom. I want to be part, to be raptured with you. I want to be caught up with you. I don't want to be left behind. And if you pray in faith and you believe that and you place your faith in not faith, you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be rescued. You will be saved. You will receive the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, the Bible says, Maranatha, come quickly. And we want you to come quickly, but we also don't want anybody to be left behind. So please, Lord, open the eyes of the unbelievers. Open the eyes of even the Christians that are asleep on the boat, that we would be awake in Christ and that we continue to seek your kingdom first and then everything else will fall into place. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com. Make me-